Welcome to the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that looks at all things marketing in the world of sports. I'm your host, Rob Cressy, founder of Bacon Sports. And joining me today is Jeremy Combe, Director of Digital Content. Jeremy, super excited to have you on the show. Thanks, man. I'm excited to be here and have this conversation. And we didn't list a company because you work with a lot of different companies. So can you give a brief overview on sort of who you are and what you do? Um, so I work basically as a director of digital content on the creative side of things. So essentially what will happen is brands or production companies will come to me and I'll work with them doing any aspect of the digital content. So it could be all the way from ideation to execution, all the way to completion or any part in between. Cool. So what we're going to talk about today is how to position yourself as an expert. And you and I had a conversation about this last week, and it was so good that I figured I had to have you on the podcast to dish about it. But first, what I want to talk about is what does the industry not get about content creation? Because oftentimes it feels like pushing a rock uphill of the brands who get it versus the brands that don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, you know, I think everyone's on board with the idea of we've got to create digital content. We've got to get it out there. There's this whole social media thing that's blowing up. Now, how do we get into it and what do we do with it? And I think a bit of the problem is no one really knows how to do it yet. It's still kind of developing. It's a little bit of the wild west. I think what brands are doing that's incorrect is they're selling. They're going out there and they're just showing the same stuff that you see out there that's sort of the status quo. So you're seeing, you know, beautiful food porn shots. You're seeing like an athlete doing something cool. What they're not doing is creating a story. They're instead focused on sort of a narrative. So they're, they're telling you how to get from A to B, um, but they're not adding sort of a dynamic depth to it. Um, yeah, a lot of them, it, it's just they're showing stuff. Uh, they're not actually creating it. So I think the, the big phrase that everyone's saying now is companies have to create it. They can no longer commission or curate content. I like that. And what is the, let's call it, if they don't do this, what ends up happening? Because I think that's one of the challenges of all of this is oftentimes the act of creation or posting is seen as the end result. Do, does a brand do social media? Oh, yeah, we posted content. We're good on that. But they don't see the overarching picture. Like, hypothetically speaking, let's say you just post a picture of food porn. Someone all of a sudden isn't going to be like, oh, my God, our brand no longer exists because it didn't, we didn't get the results that we wanted on this. Like, it's not an immediate uh, pain that they feel by not doing this correctly, even though over time when they continue to do the same thing incorrectly over and over and over and sell, 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 instead of tell the story. Next thing you know, uh, we always talk about the example of sports authority or so many brands out there that don't get it until all of a sudden it's too late. And they're like, Oh my God, what have we done wrong for the last three years? And they go out of business. So talk a little bit about that. So I think there's, there's two ways to look at sort of the content. 
Um, one is you can essentially do brand management. So if you're a company and you're just kind of putting stuff out there to do what you think you need to do to stay in the game. And the problem with just putting content out there is you become essentially like a viewer. Um, you're rather than like a, a network, so to speak. So brands that are going out there and putting up stuff, that's great for brand maintenance. It keeps them there. People will always look at their stuff, especially if you've got a recognizable brand. Um, the trick now though, is a lot of these brands, they essentially have to have almost like a media arm or a media division where they become the broadcaster rather than the audience. And if you're a broadcaster, you've got to put out content that tells a story, you know, usually relating to your brand's core values and has your viewers coming back to see more so you can see this dynamic story unfold over time. There's always going to be a place in the market to show content out there that's sort of aspirational. You're always going to want to see that gorgeous beach that you're going to want to go to. But there's, it, the market is so saturated with that stuff. How do you get coming back more and more and more? And what the, what the trick is that I, I sort of believe in is that you tell a story over time so people want to see how the story continues from post to post. Um, there's some brands that do this in a dynamic way by responding to real life events as they unfold. Something hits the news and that they've got a post up there immediately. Um, but a lot of them right now, they're sort of following the flow rather than leading the way. And I think that's an oversight that a lot of companies haven't quite done. And the challenge being the market's so saturated with that content um, how do you become a leader? And I think what they have to do is they have to position themselves. So no matter what company you are, if you want to be a leader, you're now, like it or not, you're a media company or at least have an aspect of it that touches on media and content generation that's original content. So really what I'm hearing is how do you differentiate? Because everyone says, oh, we need to do these things. So we're going to do them and everyone is doing them. But the one thing that every brand has that is unique is their own story and their ability to tell that. So instead of just being like anyone else, and oftentimes I like to say, can you look at a piece of content and tell who it is from? And the, one of the biggest challenges I see out there is so much of it is homogenous. And for me, when I started making sports six and a half years ago as a sports blog, the reason I did so is everything was copy paste, insert whatever was on Deadspin or ESPN, and you looked at a piece of content, it was just news aggregation. And I was like, I can do better than this. I can create original content. And then once you start realizing that, you say, all right, let's be original. Now, what story can we tell? And then it's not just what story, how many different stories can we tell? And then all of a sudden, there becomes many more facets to a company because I feel like there's so few companies that I feel like I know them as opposed to this is just what they do. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, I think the easiest story to tell and the first story that all these brands or individuals, celebrities, whoever it is, is they should start off with a story that touches on their core value. Um, and then what you're doing is over time, you're expanding out and you're adding essentially character depth. It used to be when you look at traditional advertising that it's very one-sided. You've got the billboard that the audience sees and that's kind of it, or the TV that shows the ad, it comes out, the audience sees it and that's it. But now the great thing that I quite like about sort of digital you know, media and social media marketing is that it becomes an ongoing dialogue. It becomes a conversation. So when your audience wants to know more depth, they can watch your, your post or your ad or whatever it is, and you can shift and you can start giving them more depth. You can start telling them more about your values. You can add in things like, you know, your tone and your sense of humor. And you really, you can mold the person that 
your brand is and let your audience in on it and take them along for that ride. So I think that'll keep them coming back for more. It, it just adds a dimension uh, to the brand that was never available sort of before social media marketing. All right, so there's two things that I want to talk about next with this, engagement in platforms. So when you say it becomes an ongoing conversation with more depth, now we're going to talk about how do you build and engage your audience. And this is probably the next level of where brands oftentimes struggle. So one, homogenous content. Two, they don't respond back to anyone. So it's like, hey, here's our content. We did our thing. We're cool. So you're not giving people a reason to look forward to hearing back from you again. But let's say that you do a good job and you say, you know, we're going to tell this story and we're going to do this in a very unique way. So now you've got to find ways to engage your audience. And this is a mindset that I see is so often missed in marketing as a whole in really thinking about the customer and end user first and the value that you can deliver for them and then you, you create based on that because one of the, the tenets of how I create is I do a good job because traditionally the demographic for the brands that I'm working with, they're looking to market to me, my specific demographic. So I say to myself, all right, what would I want this brand to create if I was the end user on this? How would I want that interaction to go? And then I say, all right, let's go ahead and build that. But I find that is not the norm having an engagement mindset because it's the next level of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's when you look to try and, you know, hit on engagement and audience growth and sort of accelerated growth. Uh, you know, the reality is it's not what it used to be six or seven years ago. It's a slow burn. It's definitely difficult. There are no shortcuts. Um, anyone who promises you a certain amount of, you know, 10,000 followers in a week, it's, it's, it's not going to happen or if it's, it's a hack around it. And it's not going to give you a return on your investment that you want. The reality is you're going to go in there and you want to tell your story, what makes you unique. And then that element, you want to connect with your audience. And the first people you really want to connect with are your, you know, your super fans or your early adapters or your advocates. And you want to build up a relationship one-on-one. -on -one. You don't necessarily need, you know, a social media influencer who's got a hundred thousand followers. Sometimes you just want someone who's got 200 followers because those 200 followers are really invested in you. So think of it as a party, you're working the room, you want to meet each person, really set up a strong, deep, sincere relationship, and then build up from there. And the reality is it's slow, it's hard work, it's, you know, it's going to be up and down. Um, but you have to win over each person, you know, one at a time. It's, it's, it's like politics. You have to make a deep connection rather than hit the mass. And what happens is if your personality or your brand's core values really resonates with your early adapters, they'll help you. They'll start spreading. They'll start cheering for the underdog and they'll start going out to their friends and the people that they have connecting and say, Hey, look at this content that they're posting. It's really cool. It's really insightful. You know, maybe you're doing something great for, you know, a great cause and they'll become a champion for your cause. So you're trying to win those people at the beginning and, and really connect with them. And the thing I must say is now more than ever, your audience is smart. They've got access to stuff like they've never had access before. They know because of transparency, they know what's truly going on. So you can't really, you can't, you got to be sincere. You can't try and pull one over their eyes because they vote with their dollars 
and that's how they respond to you. You really want to make that connection. And I think the best thing you can do is tell them the truth. If you're flawed, embrace the flaws. Um, you really want to have a human element and it's the equivalent of like walking down the street with your best friend. You want to have that kind of intimate conversation and really deeply connect. And then you want to scale up from there slowly. And it's a slow, hard process. There's no shortcuts. So the next part is platform. So we want to create these engaging conversations with more depth. So now there has never been more opportunities for brands to say, how many different ways can we tell our stories? And I feel like this is the next area of struggle for brands. So number one, are they going to create non-homogenous content? Number two, are they going to make it engaging and community focused? So now if the, in the event that they've done both correctly, original content that is engaging. Now you say, how many different ways can we tell that story? And the way that I like to look at it is, we have video, we have live streaming, we have podcasts, and social media is really just the distribution platforms and the ways that we can engage on there. But now there's a lot of ways to tell your story in different ways in order to build that relationship. And I'm a huge proponent of podcasts and video and live stream because of how relationship oriented it is and because of how few brands I see doing it. It blows my mind that more brands aren't jumping on podcasts immediately because of the opportunity for people to hear and feel your brand heartbeat and hear your voice. Sure, you can see a picture of a beach, but imagine being able to tell a story about the first time uh, you're able to take your four employees on a vacation because you landed your first client and all of a sudden now you're this bigger client and now people can feel and hear you and you have this connection and everyone's like, oh my God, if I could just get 10 seconds of attention on Instagram stories. And I'm like, God forbid you got one minute, three minute, five minute, 20 minutes of podcast or video or live streaming, how much more impactful and content rich in differentiating that is. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, I mean, the platform is a different tool. I think it speaks to your different audiences, uh, depending on their attention span and depending on where they are in day to day. Um, you know, I'll, I'm a big Instagram guy just because at my core, my background is photography. So I love Instagram because I can visually visit and get inspired very quickly, you know, a ton of different places. Um, I've also got sort of, you know, generally a lot of time where I do long commutes. So I'm stuck in a car. So a podcast really, really speaks to me because I can get uh, a great insightful sort of you know, conversation or, or podcast that really lets me focus and learn about something that I want to learn on. I think for a lot of these companies, it's just another way to tell their story and really connect their audience. I think if they start off on sort of one platform and then they start diversifying depending on their growth, um, it gives them an opportunity to, to sort of connect with different demographics that might have you know, a limited time or only certain ways to access different social content. Um, it gives you the opportunity to connect with them in the car when they're driving or, or, you know, when they're sitting on a commute, you know, thumbing through an Instagram or when they're, you know, trying to crowdsource something or get a solution on Facebook. Depending on the medium and depending on your audience, I think different platforms can really help brands connect with different demographics, which brings me to the great part of, of you know, all this digital marketing is you can find out where your audience is and you can really cater towards them. You really get this sense of data mining and find out who your audience is, how you can resonate and how you can really connect with them and have a meaningful engagement. Um, to me, it's not necessarily about the numbers. It's more about the depth and I guess of the connection and, and really having 
you know, a solid bond with your audience. So they become, you know, your advocates. Well, I love what you just said there about, it's not about the numbers. It's about the depth, but that's, that can be a challenge when you're looking at the brand marketing world, when they're trying to evaluate the ROI on any specific engagement that they're doing. Hey, is this worth our time in dollars? And oftentimes that can be a challenge because can you put a number on the value of our relationship? Something like that. You don't know the word of mouth that someone is having. You don't know when someone goes and tells uh, a president of a company as opposed to an entry level person. That's, that's a challenge that I see in this of uh, focusing more on the short term and less on the long term brand building side. Totally. It's, I mean, it's definitely a long burn, especially if you're starting from scratch. I think the, the market's very crowded now. So it, it, it's not as easy as it was, you know, six, seven years ago when no one was on these platforms. Um, yeah. I mean, I think in terms of return on investment from a dollar perspective, to me, it's insane that someone would go and buy a billboard and not even be able to get sort of the analytics behind it or the metrics on it, as opposed to taking that, you know, X amount of dollars and putting it into a social media marketing where you can really stretch out the dollar, even through just organic posts, you can really, really push it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I, yeah, yeah, no, it's <laughs> crazy. To, it's, it's, wild to think that what social media marketing can do i think in terms of measuring metrics of what's successful and what's not successful you can't be hung up on the numbers for me i'm just looking for growth to me there's huge value in failing because i can see what my audience doesn't like if i do a post of you know a guy wearing a green shirt and then a guy wearing a red shirt and all of a sudden you see hey green shirt red, really resonated i've now learned more about my audience than you know a billboard ever would and i can see in some of these videos you can see exactly what time your audience drops off so the value in terms of learning and catering to my audience is it's, it's pretty significant, especially if you're a company that starts tapping into like product development, where you're looking at developing new things and you want to know what your audience is going to respond to. It gives you a little bit, it uh, gives you a little bit more of an ability to be a little bit more risk averse. Let's get to how do you position yourself as an expert? And what I want to start with is take us into your process for pitching and landing new business because I do believe the element of being an expert helps you in pitching and landing new business because you can't pitch your business if you have no idea what you're doing because you'll be seen uh, right away as, man, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. So take me into your process. Um, yeah, it's funny, actually. I mean, does anyone really know what they're doing? It's kind of like, you know, there's people who know more than what they're doing or yeah. Um, so in terms of positioning myself as an expert, um, I'm, so, I'm sort of lucky I got into this quite early. Um, my background is photography, and I was lucky that I was able to bank some pretty significant awards that kind of positioned me in the visual medium as sort of a leader in my field and sort of ranked me globally. Um, so that really lay a strong foundation for being, you know, a visual expert. Uh, then what happened is I just, I got into the market at the right time. I saw an opportunity. I saw that companies um, had to deliver digital assets, but no one cared about them. So for me, I thought, hey, you know, huge opportunity to go in this field, make a mistake, and no one really cares. And this was, I want to say, six or seven years ago. So I've been able to build up a bit of a history, which kind of positioned me as you know, an expert, so to speak, on top of that sort of associating, you know, these accolades that also positions me um, as an expert and then networking. I, I network like crazy. I talk to as many people as possible. One of the sort of consistent themes that works for me is 
I like meeting people. I like meeting people of all sorts of walk of life, not just sort of digital, but sort of all over the place because everyone has a story. And everyone who tells a story, usually there's some sort of point that I can use to learn from them. And I find that mentality of going in and always learning, you can pull little bits of information and then sort of compile it into your business um, model and your positioning because you've learned a little bit about, uh, I don't know, Instagram from here or a little bit of podcast from here. And this kind of, you package it together and you sort of pull it. So I think if you go in with that mentality of always wanting to meet people, looking at them as a resource, constantly consuming new um, you know, educational material so you're sort of teaching yourself and you're constantly learning, I think you can... You can add tremendous value, especially now when no one's really, no one really knows what they're doing. I mean, it's the Wild West, let's be honest. <laughs> and here's a great example of this. You and I did not know each other one week ago. We connected on LinkedIn and I saw a digital creator. I was like, this guy speaks my language. I love getting down with like-minded people. We jumped on a call and we jammed. There was no, neither of us was pitching services it was like, hey, man, tell me what you're working on. Hey, here's what I'm working on. We had a good conversation. I was like, literally, hey, we should just do this again on podcast. And you're like, well, how in the world does this make you guys an expert? Because now we're having a conversation about the industry where we're giving insight into things. And hopefully there's some takeaways that people can have. And they've learned about content creation and branding and social media and fan engagement and everything. And it's literally as simple as this. And then you rinse and repeat. And this doesn't happen unless you go out and you make it happen. And I'm a huge believer in the ability to build relationships and then have conversations with others. And then I very much practice what I preach. So when I talked about you want to get on other channels, well, guess what? Here's a channel, podcasting. Here's my ability to give back to others and say, hey, I'm going to bring on some thought leaders that know some stuff that one I'm interested in talking to and learning from. And oh, by the way, you can learn as well. Totally. Absolutely. I think um, the great thing about all this, you know, podcast is, you know, a lot of the time I spend, I'm in my car doing, you know, long, long commutes and I can put on a book, uh, an audio book, and I'll actually, you know, passively be learning, con uh, you know, sort of different tricks and tools that are content related. Um, you know, I'll go through different apps like LinkedIn and think, hey, you know, this woman or this guy sounds pretty interesting. Let me have a conversation and find out what works for them. Because a lot of the time, what works for one company is not going to work for another. And I think you have to be willing to fail so you can learn your own lessons. You're just looking at what worked for other people, trying to implement it, seeing and trying to figure out then why it did or didn't work for you. And then just trying to replicate it. I mean, it's a tough process, but it, it's, it's a, there's a bit of a game to it, which makes it kind of fun and a good challenge. Welcome to the last six and a half years of my life. When I started making sports and you're making $0, I was like, all right, what is going to help me be successful? I was like, well, maybe I'll just audit the most successful people in the world and see what their habits and routines and success mindset is. And then you take the best parts. And then sometimes you hear something over and over and over and over again until you implement it. So for me, some of those things, waking up early, I heard it all the time. The importance of health and fitness, heard it all the time. Meditating. I was like, I don't even know what that is. I'm not like a monk or anything. But then you kept hearing him meditating. I was like, all right, I've just got to at least try this and figure it out. And then the next thing you know, I've just stacked a series of habits. And oh, by the way, that never ends. I'm always trying to learn from everyone. I'm trying to learn from you during our conversations because 
I have a constant growth mindset and I believe that's what's needed in order to succeed now that you can't rest on your laurels, but instead you want to be someone who's pushing the envelope, who's always getting better because at the end of the day, if you do that, you will win. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you, you got to keep going. It's, it's one of those things, you know, you set sort of your, your, your focus and compass and I think you just lock onto it and you just keep going just keep pushing and your failures, you just try and put them behind you, learn from them and you keep going. And eventually you will find an audience. You will get growth. I mean, that's the great thing about this globalization of the internet. It's you can now, you know, if you're into, I don't know, crocheting socks for cats, you can find an audience throughout the global you know, economy that's into buying this product. So there's something really, really interesting about that. Um, I think there's, the social media marketing and sort of the digital world allows you to connect with people that couldn't find an audience before. Um, I think it's a remarkable thing. I think, you know, you keep your drive, you keep your focus, you look to learn as much as you can from wherever you can. Um, and I think you're, you're destined to sort of set up for, um, for success. So can you talk to me about your balance between sales slash relationship building and creativity? Certainly on the journey of any creator or someone building a business, you've got to be able to bring in sales in order to make all of this work. But oftentimes with struggling artist syndrome, you love to create and you're amazing at this thing, but you're not getting paid to do it. So you end up having to spend a significant portion of your time on the sales to help feed the creativity. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, background is photography. I, I still do a lot of commercial, um, you know, and editorial work. Um, you know, the bulk of it is now that's become sort of one of my, you know, skill sets that sort of embraces this job. So I'll come up with the, I'll work with the strategist and come up with the creative content and then we'll execute it in different ways. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it used to be really, really hard. You know, one of the hustles was, you know, I'm hustling, 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 and then I'll get a shoot and it'll last, you know, I think in 10 years, the longest shoot I have was five days. And then you're stuck hustling, hustling, hustling. And the reason I sort of pivoted because I looked at this and I thought, you know, I'm spending so much time selling when what I love doing is, is creating. One of the things that I did to pivot and sort of give myself, you know, this unique selling proposition was to embrace the digital world. Because now the models change from fighting for the creative, which was the hardest part of the challenge. Now in the digital world, the hardest part is fighting burnout. So if you can lock in with a company, and yes, it's hard to find a company um, that understands you know, what digital does, but now because they have to create their own content, if you can get in with a company who trusts you and you know, who's into doing risk and trying new things and not afraid of failing, what happens is you just, you just get started in this cycle where it's, you're generating endless content. So for me, what I did is I looked at my problem, which was you know, chasing business, chasing money, dealing that, and thought, how can I change that where it works a little better for me? And that's why I jumped into the digital world, because now the issue is burnout. It's not chasing clients. So it is still hard. Um, you do have to chase clients, find something that sort of, you know, that you fit with quite well. Um, but the advantage as well to digital is now I've got all these metrics that I can show people. I worked on this that went trending. I worked on this that got this much reach. So it's not so much me selling. It's the proof is in the pudding. I can give them these numbers, say, this is what I've done before. This is what I think we might be able to do. Let's try it and see how it goes. Let's start off by spending very, very low. See if we can get a return on our investment. As our numbers and sales start to grow, let's increase our spending. So it's sort of you know, they both accelerate at the same time. 
Um, it's hard to get in with a company like that. Um, I think if you can get in with a small company and prove your worth, um, all you have to do is just track their numbers. And then you go to the next one saying, hey, you know, I started with this company. They started off with zero. By the time I left, they were at you know, 10,000, 100,000. We did it in six months. Then you can just flip that to the next company and, and eventually money will go. So you're just stepping stones. It's an easier career path to growth um, now that digital's there. Yeah. And I think one thing that I've certainly used on the sales side to balance sales and creativity is there's a quote that's really resonating with me lately. It's not who you know, it's who knows you. And for the exact things that we preach about content creation and relationship building and engagement is why I create so much content specifically on LinkedIn where I've curated an audience and I say, all right, let me talk about ways that I can provide value to others, whether it's mindset and routine and success habits or content creation and social media. And you keep doing it and you keep doing it because someone once said, Rob, if you ever hope to get paid to do what you love, you better be doing it already. So if I'm going to try and find people who want to hire me to create, then I better be creating so that I can stay top of mind. No, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I really, really like, and this is why I got into photography, it was, I guess, the marriage between the creative and the technical. Um, you know, you've got this creative vision that you want to execute in a photo, but then you've got all these math formulas and, you know, electricity issues that are going to help shape the creative. So I love the marriage between the two. And then when it comes to digital content, it's very similar. So on a lot of these jobs, I'll work with a strategist or, you know, a community channel manager or someone who'll be looking at the back end. So together we'll sit down and we'll come up with an idea that we really think will resonate. And then we'll say, Hey, you know what? We really want to do this shot. Um, you know, we got to make sure that he's wearing this hat in this shot because that's really resonates with their audience. Let's look at the metrics. So I love the intersection between, you know, sort of the creative and I guess the strategy to help you sort of propel towards success. To me, that's something that really speaks to me. That's something that quite interests me. I think if you're an artist and you're trying to get into digital content marketing and that might not be your forte, it's really helpful to have someone in the back end telling you what your audience likes and telling you what you think, what they think you should do next. Then the whole trick just becomes, you know, sort of trying to break the pattern. So you do 15 days with a hat, then do one day without a hat, see what happens to your audience. And I think that's a great value that a lot of strategists can add to it, especially if you're not a creative business minded person, they can help you refine the creative. So it really resonates and potentially drives sales and, you know, influx of cash and all that kind of stuff. Jeremy, I really enjoyed this conversation. This was a ton of fun. Where can people connect with you? So uh, Instagram, I'm a big Instagram guy. I constantly use that um, for testing. So I don't follow the rules as I should if I wanted to grow, but I find I'm putting stuff up there just to test it. So you can follow me at Jeremy Combe. Um, otherwise, you can connect me, with me through LinkedIn. It's Jeremy Combe as well. Um, and just feel free to, to reach out, connect. I'm happy to you know, have conversations. I'm always looking to learn from the audience. So if you've got questions or you want to continue the dialogue, DM me, hit me up, and uh, I'd, I'd love to see what you, what you guys can help me learn. And as always, I would love to hear from you about this episode. I'm getting tons of great feedback on LinkedIn and Instagram in my DMs. So thank you for that. Keep it coming. You can hit me up on Instagram at Rob underscore Cressy, on Twitter at Rob Cressy, or on LinkedIn. That's it. That's all.